up, Flowies? This is Gabe from Gabe Spotless Window Cleaning. Welcome to another edition of the ITF Flowcast. This week, we have a really great interview uh, with Chris Simmons. Uh, he is a part-time window cleaner, and we get into a really nice discussion about the benefits of, of kind of doing window cleaning as a side hustle. And, uh, you know, it's a whole different mentality. There's a lot of other different things that you take into consideration that you uh, wouldn't have to as a, as a full-time business owner. And there's also other, other considerations that you, uh, you know, that you have to take into in order to make it profitable as a part-time person. Uh, so there's benefits, there's difficulties. We have a really nice discussion on that. But we also do get into uh, a nice uh, a conversation regarding pricing and why it's so important, how uh, education and understanding about the business aspects uh, of pricing is so important, especially for uh, a small person, uh, a small business, because the, you know, the consequences of underpricing can be so, so strong. So you're going to really uh, appreciate it. It's a really beneficial discussion, especially if you're a brand new business owner. So enjoy listening as we talk with Chris Simmons. All right, Flomies, it's time for another edition of the ITF Flowcast. And this week we have Chris Simmons with us. How you doing, Chris? Hey, how are you doing? Oh, doing really good, man. Hope you're doing well. So you're you're out of Florida in Brandon, right. Florida, and your company's name is Window Cleaners of Brandon, right? And you're right. relatively new. You, you're a couple years into the industry? Yeah. Yeah. I've only been at it a couple years and kind of connected with all these Florida guys like Michael Lewis Briggs and Sean and all these great guys near Tampa. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. So you, now what did you did before you did, you said insurance? Is that what Yeah, you I worked at a couple of big insurance companies like USAA, State Farm. Okay. Very cool. So what, what made you get into window cleaning? Like did, what, what was your entry into? I mean, really for me, like with my story, it was for the sake of my children, having that okay. flexibility you know, work around their schedule. Okay. But like, how did you learn though? Like, did you just start watching videos and then you bought some equipment or how did, how did that start? Yeah. It's kind of funny because like you start looking at, well, what could I do on the side? And, you know, it has to be something that fits around my kid's schedule. And, you know, I, I watch videos like Luke, the window cleaner, Steve-O guys like that. Uh -huh. But really hands-on. I mean, people just take me under their wing. So who were some that took you under their wing to kind of teach you? Well, I mean, once I got started, there was a guy from high school. He'd been cleaning windows for like 17 years. And he's like, hey, I'll fly you up to South Carolina. So he flew me up there, but he was doing all these big, crazy mansions. And I thought, wow, this looks really risky. But like his average ticket price was over like 900 bucks. Wow. Interesting. Right. So you saw that and you're like, hey, that's something I could do part time. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. I mean, I didn't really want like a, a part time job because you look at like delivering pizza. Sure. It's just so late night. You look yeah. at, you know, working in a restaurant, doing something simple. It just doesn't pay that well. Yeah. And, and, and this is actually why I wanted to talk with you on the podcast, because you have a, a really interesting um, situation. And it, I don't think it's common, although the need for having kind of what you call like a side hustle is very common in the window cleaning industry. So why don't you talk a little bit about your, your uh, family life and how it's set up and why window cleaning kind of fits perfectly into it? Yeah. So 
my wife is a full-time, you know, she has a full-time job. She sells insurance. Um, my kids, they go to school. And to be honest, like we tried the whole full-time thing before, mm -hmm. like we tried, let's both work full-time. She'll work at Progressive. I'll work at State Farm. And when you drop off your kids, like anyone who's a, a father, you sure. know, dropping off your kids for like nine hours at daycare, it's just really yeah, hard. It is. Like, especially when they're like ages one to five, like now they're getting to be like five and seven. Mm -hmm. But so really I wanted something that could be like four to five hours a day. Excellent. Yeah. And, and that's, I think that's really kind of important because I, I find that with window cleaners, uh, although there are certainly is some that say, hey, I see the dollar signs and that's what I want. And I want to be able to make a lot of money in a short period of time compared to, like you said, working for, you know, Domino's or working somewhere else. Um, right. But for a lot of window cleaners, it's that flexibility in the schedule, which what draws them to it. And the, the priority is the family, you know, the family life, right. the they, they need to be able to be available. Um, I, I, I know several window cleaners who are window cleaners because they're, they had kids with special needs and it allowed them to be able to have time to be with their kids and to, to give them the attention that they needed while still making <clears throat> enough money to you know, get by. So you have, so your wife is, is still working full time, but you were working part-time. So you're, you're a stay-at-home dad essentially, right? Yeah, I mean, basically like, if I'm not cleaning windows, I'm home with the kids, you know, we're not paying any extra daycare. It's just their school hours and yeah. then that's it. Yeah. So most of my days I'm only cleaning one house or I might do, you know, like maybe five storefronts. Mm -hmm. So I, I purposely have storefronts like every Thursday and then just do a house each of the other days. And if I get one home, that's it. You know, I'm booked. Yeah. Very cool. I got to be done by one o'clock. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> home, right? which, which, you know, that, that's kind of the crazy thing about side hustle is it's a totally different mentality. If you're done by one, that's just way different than let's have a couple of trucks and four guys and, mm -hmm. you know, let's pay X amount of dollars for marketing and push as hard as we could push. But a side hustle, it's like, you know, you, you might have a simple goal like 1500 or 2000 a month. And you if you it. hit your little goal or do better, then that's it. That's all yeah. you need. Yeah. <clears throat> Very cool. Let's talk a little bit about that side hustle mentality. So what, what do you feel is different about that? Um, because obviously money is still the goal, right? That's why we're working. We're, we need right. that income. <clears throat> but what's, what is the different mentality uh, in your view uh, from a site, a person who uses window clean as a side hustle to someone who that's their business and it provides for their family? Well, I mean, like I mentioned, hours worked. You're not pushing, you know, 50, 60, 70 hours, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, the mentality is you want to maximize your profit. So you got to figure out what's the most I could make in four to five hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing about side hustle is, like you said, you put a lot of value on time, family. Um, so it's just a way to, like when I hear traditional advice, I feel like a lot of traditional advice doesn't apply to side hustle. Like what? You know? Well, like some people talk about how to grow, how to build a business, but 
if you're just doing a side hustle, doesn't really apply. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So your goal, your goal is to make a certain amount of money and then you're done. So like, for instance, if you happen to have some really profitable jobs um, and you're, you, you hit your monthly goal by the third, the end of the third week, do you just take that, that week off or do you figure, oh, and I'm going to bank this next week? Well, you could, I mean, really the beauty of side hustle is you want a really small overhead. Mm -hmm. So make your overhead as tiny as possible maximize what could I make per hour and then kind of work in that but if you hit the goal early you could just take a week off or you could bank it or um, you know you could just tell people hey I'm booked Mm -hmm. and once you're booked you're booked and that's kind of what I've learned this last year is your most valuable asset is your time yes once I've once I've booked all my time I have nothing to sell right you know and if you think about it Um, A lot of the big companies that you compete against, they have a a lot of time, they have a lot of guys, but as a small fish in the the big pond, if you sell your time, then that's it. Yeah, yeah, excellent. I'm on the other end here where I've got, I've got four trucks. I'm not like huge, but I do have, you know, have workers. I got, I got to get work for them so that they can, um, uh, you know, provide for their families as well. You know, I try to pay them well, but, but, you know, they don't get paid unless they're working. So I'm <laughs> continually trying to, to get that. Um, but I recall when I first started, um, you know, we, we, both my wife and I worked part-time, we were doing a lot of volunteer work and a lot of things like that. This is, of course, before my daughter. And um, so, it, you know, it's funny, I never thought of it as a side hustle, but it definitely was a part-time job, you know, and it right, definitely was, right. I, I worked maybe 20, 25 hours a week, but it, it, I made enough money that it was, you know, way more than what I would have made if I had a, a nine to five job somewhere working in an office, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's what, that was the attraction of it. Of course, the downside was the ups, up and down of the season. So sometimes we had zero, or at least in our area, we have, we have a, a certain season where it just dies off because of the rains, you know? And um, so it can be a challenge to, to try and make ends meet when that is your only work. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, now you don't have it. And, and, you know, now my wife always worked in an office, so she, she always had income. But again, it was part-time. So she was working part-time as well. So we did definitely have to um, stretch things quite a bit, you know, and uh, we had to be real creative when, when things got uh, lean. Uh, yeah. So, so when you're with your wife working part-time, do you ever hit that? Does there, is there any problems with um, your work getting lean? Well, I mean, that's the funny thing about marketing and with side hustle is I'd say one of the best things I've done is just make friends of my competition mm-hmm. because what you'll find is a side hustle, you know, I only have five hours a day max. So I'm picking up what other people don't really want to do. So like if, if I'm friends with company A, B, and C, they might throw me a couple of jobs and I might help out as like a 1099 type of worker. Um, so that's really a big benefit is I'm in a position where I have my own LLC, my own insurance, and I can just go help bigger people. But I'm not real worried about things getting lean um, just because my wife is the breadwinner um, you know I'm I'm the one doing the side hustle and really 
I'm just kind of using my money to pay off the mortgage a little faster, mm-hmm. set up my kid's college fund, you know, just do basic stuff like that. Right. So it really takes the pressure off if I don't need it to put food on the table. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, definitely. So, and, and I think that's kind of not having the pressure is a value in and of itself, right? Mm-hmm. So, not, so keeping things simple, like keeping, like you said, your expenses low, uh, uh, not having that pressure of constantly trying to, you know, get work and, and trying to pay these bills and stuff then you get to spend time with your your kids you know then right, you have that right. afternoon where they're home from school and you get to be a dad i mean that's pretty awesome i, I know yeah. that's something that i've worked really hard to do um owning the business and um uh you know i i always try to make time for my daughter and thankfully we have a lot of the same interests uh and so you know with video she likes video games and roblox and, and minecraft and all that stuff so we have to, I have to make time for that, but it's still hard, you know? So you already have that built into your business plan of, I'm going to spend time with my, with my, my children, you know? So right. I think that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And kind of backing up, I think I briefly mentioned it, but you know, there was like a, a month, a month and a half where we were both working full time. So she had her job. I had my job. And inevitably stuff happen, you know, daycare, they call, hey, you know, we need you to pick up your kid or, you know, daycare is not going to be open next Monday. And it just creates all these awkward situations where one of us has to dip out of work. Yeah. And then when you drop the kids crying, you pick them up, they're crying. And it's just (laughs) as a parent. You know, and, and I know that's not relatable for everybody, but if you've been a parent of young kids, mm-hmm. you know, it's tough, like, especially when they're not quite in first, mm-hmm. second grade, you know, that you don't have a school. It's not only tough emotionally, but financially. Does it really make sense to pay daycare 1800 a month? Yeah. And then go work a normal job and, you know, make $3,000 give 1800 of your 3000 from your typical job to daycare. So we just had a tough conversation. Like, does this mm-hmm. make sense? Yep. And no, it really doesn't. And sometimes I kind of share my story and people go, wow, you're really lucky. You know, you're really lucky that you're building a, a side business that you don't even need. And I wish I was, you know, I wish I could do that. But I tell people, I go, man, it took me 11 years to get this lucky. You know, it, exactly. it's not, I was say. you know, we, we've had a, we, my wife and I were really good at budgeting, managing money. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we follow the Dave Ramsey baby step program. So when we first got married, there's a lot of debt. We had sure. to get out of, you know, a car payment, um, student loan debt. Um, you know, then you start having children and yeah. that doesn't make life any easier. So that's kind of my, my answer is, man, it took me almost a decade to get lucky. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm at this place where I'm building a side business that I technically don't need, it puts me in a really freeing position. Like mm-hmm. if I make a thousand bucks the whole month, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. If I make 
you know, 3000, wow, what a blessing, you know, maybe mm -hmm. I'll pay extra on my house or mm -hmm. put more in my kids college, you know, that kind of thing. So it's really nice. But, you know, I don't want to take anything for granted, because yeah. out of all my jobs, you know, I've, I've been let go before and um, I've, I've had health issues come up. And mm -hmm. so I think life has seasons and you don't want to take that for granted when things are going well or mm -hmm. going poorly. Um, you just want to plan smart. Well, and that's, that's the key plan smart. And I think this is the kind of the important message out of this podcast, because um, a lot of people in your position once they realize they have that potential for that income, now the focus becomes, how can I make more of that, right? Or how can I spend all of this? <laughs> so they're not thinking, oh, now I can make an extra payment on my mortgage. They're thinking, right. oh, now I can get this, now I can get you know, a new car, I can get you know, uh, whatever, you know, whatever thing is out there. And, and that there's a cost to that, right? Not just a monetary cost, but if it's something that requires maintenance, well, that's now going to be more, more money that you have to spend on maintenance. If it's something uh, uh, that requires upgrading, you know, then you're going to have to spend money on upgrades. So that's more of, of an expense, but you're thinking, well, I, I definitely want to get into where this money comes in. I, it, as long as I hit what I need, then we're good. Anything extra, I want to put towards something that is is substantial that means something our mortgage uh, a vacation um mm -hmm. you know braces you know college whatever you whatever you feel is is important to you but you you've got the 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 mentality to do that and that takes discipline right <laughs> that takes right. self control of not just saying oh, wow i've got an extra you know 500 bucks this week man what can we do with that let's go blow it on this other stuff which again yeah. nothing wrong with doing that once in a while as a treat you know for your family yeah. but if that's your habit if that's your natural tendency as soon as you get something extra you've wasted all that planning that you've done you know and, and yeah. you've like you said you've ruined that blessing that you have because now it's you could be even spending money that may cause you to need to spend more money down the road so I just think that's right. a really, a really awesome viewpoint of your business to have. And the fact that you have that self-control is something that a lot of us could emulate. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get the wrong mentality of, I could just out, out earn my stupidity. I could just blow money mm -hmm. and just keep out earning, you know, the more money I blow, I'm going to earn it back. But there comes a point where you got to kind of pause yeah. get on a budget, manage your money in a smart way. And that doesn't mean you're just super tight, but it, you got to, like you said, balance, you know, give yourself permission to spend. But I wanted to fast forward in my story just a little bit because, you know, after we decided, hey, it's not really worth it to pay daycare. Um, I didn't just jump into window cleaning like the very next day. I mean, I actually probably took six, seven months off. I mean, I was just home with the kids. You know, I was reading a lot of books, a lot of podcasts. I was absorbing a lot of information, not, not just specific to window cleaning, but to business and to mm -hmm. having this mindset, you know, like I'm absorbing Dave Ramsey stuff and rich dad, poor dad stuff. And you know, John Acuff, you know, start all these books and podcasts. And, but every time I would listen to something inspirational and maybe 
some of the listeners to the show have been there, you just find an excuse. You go, wow, that's really inspirational. I should do something. But and they're wearing a let fur me, coat the, let next, me, the next scene. <laughs> yeah, let, let me let me find an excuse. Yeah. Um, so you know, I'm sitting there at home and I'm like, well, I can't get a, a full-time job. That didn't really work out. Well, I, I can't do anything because I have kids. You know, I can't, I can't uh do this, that, or the other because fill in the blank. And I I heard a quote, it said, if it matters, you, you will find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. Mm-hmm. And I it just really hit me. I thought, man, I just keep finding an excuse instead of finding a way. Like what am I? It's almost like a mental block. It was mm-hmm. like, so so after hearing that, I just jumped in. I just filed for an LLC. I, I named my business, which if you've been married for any amount of time, you want to talk with your spouse because <laughs> uh, <laughs> window cleaners of Brandon was actually her name. She said it should be simple. They should know what you do and where you're located just on your name alone. So I, I really went with her advice. And then I saw a kid cleaning at the mall. You know, I was walking the mall, I was just kind of walking laps, and here's a young guy, he's cleaning windows. I thought, well, I'm going to talk to him for a minute. So I talked to this guy, and come to find out, he was getting out of the business, and he, he was, he kind of got himself in a pickle, because he worked with the company, he quit, then he started his own thing, but he didn't have any insurance, and um, right. He signed a non-compete agreement, oh, so he had picked up all these customers at the mall, and he's not insured. He's not licensed, you know, and and he's he's got a non-compete. His old boss is now coming after him. Uh-huh. So we sat down for coffee. Oh, sidetrack. There you I go. I'm gonna show my shirt. <laughs> so we we sat down for coffee, and I was like, "Oh, just just for the radio or for the audio listeners, it says uh, um, instant instant window cleaner. Just instant, add coffee. Instant window cleaner. Just add coffee. Yeah. That's <laughs> so yeah, as I'm talking about coffee in the story, but anyway, I I basically told this guy, I was like, "Look, I will." buy you out like if you just go around the mall introduce me to the managers but then I threw in a caveat I was like you need to train me Mm -hmm. like I don't know what I'm doing you know I'm one of these guys watching YouTube thinking I'm an instant expert all because I watch five videos on YouTube Mm -hmm. so it so he ends up (laughs) it was kind of a funny story because the first day I show up um, you know, I went down to the local store. I bought this is the exact there you go. That I bought. <laughs> for those those who can't see it, it's a cheapo, it's like yeah. a backflip wannabe. It's, yeah, it's, it's the a, it's, it's a Home a, Depot special, right? <laughs> yeah. It's it's an 18 inch. So I show up with this cheapo squeegee. That's the only squeegee I have. I have a bucket of soapy water that I'm dragging through the mall. And then I've got a 20 foot pole. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And, you know, I'm new. I didn't know the 20 foot pole is just way overkill. You know, I got this aluminum. I probably only need a six foot pole right. looking back on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
he must have thought I was crazy, but I, I ended up, you know, he taught me what he knew. Um, he introduced me. I got all these service agreements signed with managers, et cetera. Um, and I apologize if you could hear that phone ringing. That's right. But, uh, this is real life. We, we don't mind. Yeah, but long, <laughs> we, have I mean, kids, we have kids running into the interviews all the time too. So you know, long, long story short, I ended up paying him is like a thousand bucks to take over his little route. He had like mm-hmm. nine stores. He's only making about six hundred a month. Mm-hmm. But like I said, he was getting in trouble and had the non-compete, mm-hmm. and he wasn't legit. So I kind of just took over Bucket Bob's route. Yeah, for lack of a better way. And just working that mall, um, you know, that that's kind of one misconception. People say if if you just watch videos, you're gonna get in your mind, oh, I could just buy a squeegee and just show up and magically know what I'm you know, just clean windows and now I'm an overnight success. But I think that's kind of a misconception because it's not easy at the beginning. And, um, you know, it took me four months before I even broke even Mm -hmm. because I had to pay for his route. I had to go buy real equipment, um, just kind of learning how to run a side hustle, Mm -hmm. run a business. Um, So I basically worked hard for four months before I made a penny. Yeah, but that being said, that's pretty impressive for any type of business, right? I mean, then normally yeah. a business, you're talking a year to two years before you break even. So to be able to break even in four right. months, I mean, that's that's kind of well, shows the, the wisdom of that. Yeah, and that's just that's just focused on storefront, you know, mall. Mm-hmm. From the mall, I started going to storefronts, and then from there, I started going to a house. And that's kind of a funny story too, because the first house I ever cleaned. If you could envision, I had a 2001 Toyota Corolla. Mm-hmm. This thing was rested out on the bottom. You know, I bought it from some kid from Massachusetts for like uh-huh. 1700 bucks. Yep, yep. And then I buy a little giant ladder. It's like a little giant 17. I've got that on top of my little Toyota Corolla. <laughs> and it was actually a, a realtor. She recommended me. I don't know why, but you know, we're kind of friends and it was my first home ever. So I show up at the house and that little giant ladder, it doesn't even reach the tallest window. Oh no. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's my it's my first time to ever have uh-huh. to walk on a roof. And I'm right. I'm like nervously, you know, I'm going wow. up the I'm getting one of the, the neighbors mowing grass, I'm getting them to hold my ladder. You know, looking back on it, I'm like, how embarrassing because I know I end up just doing such a poor job. Um, you know, with the window I can't reach, I'm using that 20 foot hole and just doing the best I could do. I I have so many of those stories. Uh, you know, I well, I started my one of the vehicles I had when I started doing houses was a a 1990 Nissan Sentra, those little dinky ones, and I had. (laughs) It wasn't the little giant, but it was the the ladder that I don't know. It kind of like folds up, you know, and it, you can kind of make it into like a frame. And it was real dangerous. I mean, that thing like would unhinge like all the time, but it uh-huh. folded up into the trunk, so I could just have it in the trunk. So if I needed a ladder, you know. And I remember kind of similar with you. I there was this one house, and it was a beautiful house, 
and they had this picture window above the door. So it was pretty high. And same thing, my ladder went, you know, about four foot short of it. So I had to pull it and not really being a good polar at the time, because I was just getting into houses. I dripped all down that wall. It was a white wall and I dripped and I, I felt so terrible. I apologize. And they were so nice, you know, and they just, they knew I was young. They knew I was just starting out. I think they kind of realized that was one of the risks they were going to take by hiring me, you know, and they, yeah. they didn't, they didn't require me to pay for the repainting. They just don't worry about it. <laughs> we're, we, we like to repaint every six months anyways. Don't worry. We'll just, we'll get it. You know, when it, when it's that time, they wow. were so nice about it, but of course they never called me back, <laughs> but yeah. Um, you know, it's almost like you have to have those experiences to kind of make you appreciate, oh, wait a second, this is a real business. This is not something yeah. that I'm just doing for fun and to make a little money. I, People's properties are at stake. I can do something that could totally wipe out any profit for this job or maybe even the next job, you know, if I'm not careful. So it's yeah. kind of good to have those wake up calls once in a while. Well, and, you know, I, I share that because you know, I, there might be a couple of people who listen or watch and they just think, oh, this is so easy. You could just jump in and, you know, make 70 bucks per hour average and just do amazing. But, you know, in, in real life, I made so many mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I had one lady with tinted windows. And <sighs> she just kind of mentioned, oh, would you mind removing the tent? <laughs> oh no that yeah that that's no problem you know no problem miss jones i'll go ahead and just uh, remove the tent so i'm up there with a you know a four inch razor blade thinking oh it'll just scrape right off there's no problem <laughs> you know and then before you know it you're you're it's time to pick up your kids your five hours is done your job isn't done the house you had booked the next day, you're having to, to reschedule uh, and just a whole big mess. Yeah. And and on top of that, you're so new, you don't even know how to bid correctly. And, yep. You know, I'm up there wasting all this time for like 120 bucks. Or right. Something. Yes. Oh, man. And just looking back, I'm like, man, I made so many mistakes in the first, like the first 10 houses. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was just kind of, learning as I go and it was just yeah. horrible I, I remember this one house my wife she had just started helping me so she um I can't remember she was if she was between jobs or, or what the deal was but she was going to help me on this house and I was so excited because I was going to charge them a hundred dollars to clean this house <laughs> and I was like wow we're gonna make a hundred bucks on this house right and it was where we live. In, I live in the desert. I'm in Tucson, Arizona. And there's the main city, but then there's the outskirts. And there's a lot of houses, you know, very sparse, very spread out, large pieces of property. People like to go out there because they get left alone, you know. And this one, I don't even know how he got my number, but he called me and said, hey, I got this house out in three points. Are you willing to come out? And we have, that's where we lived. We lived out in the outskirts. It was like, perfect. You were out here. He's all happy. We're happy. So we head out there and it was this nicer area called Diamond Bell. But the, the like I said, the houses were, were very spread out, really big houses. And um, we have out in the desert, um, javelinas. Are you familiar with those? They're kind of, they're, no, pe they're peccaries. So. They, they look like pigs, but they're more closely related to rodents. But uh, uh, these javelinas go everywhere and they travel in packs. Well, um, one, he was, he was a bachelor. So he was older guy, maybe in his 60s or 70s and had been a bachelor his entire life. I don't know how long he had lived there, but he had never had those windows cleaned. 
Uh-huh. And he had this, he was in the, the, the javelinas have a path that they travel. So every morning they wake up and they just go down this path because they know that's where the food is. And so every morning they would come by and he would leave out these watermelon rinds or, or some other fruit or whatever. And they would just come and chop. Well, they're very messy and they would go right up against these wind. So he had this whole line of sliding glass doors filled with javelina snot and, and just gross stuff, right? The whole yeah. windows. Are so anyways, my wife and I get there and we're, we're going to get going. We're all so excited. You know, we're going to make all this, all this money, this hundred dollars. And it took us, I think we were there six hours, two yeah. people to get those windows clean. And at the end, he gave us this little lecture, you know, and he says, well, um, you know, you guys uh, charged me a hundred dollars. It took two of you six, you know, six hours. You guys made about like $3 an hour. He's like, you got to really learn how to rebid. So he ended up paying us $300, wow. um, which was very generous on his part. Cause he didn't have to do that. You know, we, we were going to honor what we had, we had bid. We obviously didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know how to bid. We didn't understand, you know, what was involved with the work or, or to understand that, oh, this is the condition of the windows. It's going to be a lot more work, you know, right. just didn't even right. occur. Just, you just think, oh, you throw your, your, your washer on there and then in the squeegee. Anyways, we just learned a really big lesson about that, that, you know, we have to really understand what the job is before we bid, you know, it's not a one size fit all, which was the impression that we had being these new young window cleaners, you know, and, uh, but anyways, that, that was just a really important lesson that I, I hope a lot of young, you know, or at least new, not necessarily even young, but just new window cleaners. Right. Yeah. Uh, and and I started. think that that brings up a good point because really when I first started and bidding jobs, you know, I was happy, like you said, with like a hundred bucks or 150 and you think, you know, you watch a few videos and you're like, wow, you could just fan a window in no time. And it's going to be like, mm-hmm. 15 seconds a window and mm-hmm. but then you show up in real life you're scrubbing the window and steel yeah. wool and razor and it takes forever and then at the end of the day you realize that that 150 or or 100 bucks isn't even worth it but i i think that that's one lesson i've learned is what's the time that it actually takes because if it's going to take three hours to clean 150 is not 50 bucks an hour Mm-mm. because you're not factoring in the time to quote the job absolutely the follow-ups the the you know the handwritten thank you card when you're all done you're not factoring in well how long does it take me to drive there what does the mm-hmm. gas cost what's my insurance insurance my you know i think when you're new which i'm still kind of newer because i've only been at it a couple of years but you really don't factor everything because you still have this hourly mindset. You still think like an employee thinks mm-hmm. is, yes. oh, if I could just make 20, 30 bucks per hour, I'm good. Mm-hmm. But in reality, you've got to step back and see the big picture. And what's my yeah. true overhead, not just for the month, but for the whole year? And mm-hmm. how much do I really need to be charging? Um so that took that took me a good year just to learn how to bid properly. Yes. Um, and, and don't don't be afraid to to bid high because that's better than underbidding like your story. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I th- I'm so glad you brought that up because I think, you know, part of ITF the um, 
is education, right? The, the education of a businessman and a businesswoman. And so we need to be able to not only just do the work because we have a lot of really good window cleaners. And, and like you said, you know, if you're, if you're dedicated to it within six months, you can be a really decent window cleaner, you know? Right. But it doesn't matter if you're not, you're not being smart business-wise. So like you said, that understanding that the business is more than just what you what you got as the check-in. It's, is this enough to cover X, Y, Z, and then plus the future expenses of, you know, right. the business taxes, the quarterly taxes, um, anything that you, you might run into, you know, just by running a business, that all has to be taken into consideration in that bid. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, if you're not, you're losing money, you know, and I think sometimes people are, and, and actually would just, I think there was a post uh, by one of our, our longtime Flomies, uh, Carrie Gunther. And she was saying how she's she's averse to raising prices, you know, and it's it's that emotional attachment that we have to our clients, and you know we we may know they have a certain situation, and certainly there's I mean I know I have customers that I don't raise, and I just I will never raise them, or at least not raise them a whole lot, right? Because because of I appreciate you know like some of them were ones that they gave me my start, they gave me chances when. I don't think anybody else would have, and I so mm-hmm. I, as as I feel like I owe them that that I'm they're kind of special. But the rest, you know, for the majority of my customers, I had to get used to, look, my costs are going up. So I have to raise my prices to cover those costs. If I'm not raising, then I'm actually losing money by going and doing right. these, these jobs, you know? Yeah. And, and so being cognizant of, of that business sense is, is something that I think the, the side hustle window cleaner can easily, it can fall by the wayside, you know? And like, yeah. I, I like, I like the phrase you used earlier. They think they can out, out make their mistakes, you know? Right. Yeah. You're not going to out, out earn your stupidity or, but you know, one lesson, you know, a lot of people talk about marketing and how do I get more business? But my problem, even just a year ago was being overbooked. And I think being overbooked is a real common problem if it's a side hustle, because mm-hmm. if you only have four to five hours a day yeah. and you're only booking one house a day, you know, and then you're putting all your storefronts on like, like my storefronts are every mm-hmm. Thursday. So every Thursday I have five or six storefronts, but I ran into an, an issue where my phone keeps ringing. I don't have any welcome. I'm having to check with other companies. So at the beginning of 2021, I raised my price for everybody just across the board. Mm-hmm. All of my storefronts, like I had I had an agreement with Taco Bell. I had six stores, but they were so cheap. It was like 35 bucks a store. And I'm I'm doing the math and you know, I'm driving to six different Taco Bells for 35 each. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense by the time you spend the gas, the time. So I, tr- I raised all of them to like 55 bucks and ended up dropping, yeah. you know, all six because they, they couldn't just pay that. Yep. And then even with residential customers I had two years ago when I was brand new making all those mistakes, I can't charge them 149 or, you know, yeah. 199. So I'm trying... So I had to raise up my rate for everybody across the board. And as a result, I've noticed I have a little bit more free time yeah. and a lot more money. Yeah. Um, so 
It's a lot smarter. If you can make 70 bucks an hour for 20 hours, that's a lot better than making like 30 bucks an hour for 40. So how did you go about to try and, and increase the percentage of people who you capped when you when you went through and raised prices? Because I think that's a big worry, right? I mean, when, when someone has a business and like, oh man, I got to raise prices for them. I'm going to lose half of my customers. They're going to be upset. They're going to be. So what was your strategy and how you approached that price raising? Well, I basically have about 130 customers. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning of 2021, I just emailed all 130 of them. Like, hey, here's the new rates moving forward. You know, it's X, Y, Z. And I put a minimum price. I didn't even have a minimum mm -hmm. before. So I that finally either. put a minimum. Like there was some houses I was doing outside only for like 75 bucks. Oh, dude, I had so many. Like, <laughs> why, why am I doing outside only for 70? I mean, I, I get they only have like, like eight windows, but still have a minimum. So, but it was funny because a lot of customers you know, they stuck with me. I'd say out of 130, I probably only lost about 20, 25 of them, yep. you know, and the, the 20 to 25 that I lost, it's like, you know, they're not going to make or break my business. Yes, exactly. And um, I think that's, that's what people need to hear. Um, because I was, when I raised my prices, um, and it was just for that particular segment I was talking about where I started because that, that was all low. I, I got those customers, you know, 15 years prior to my raising the price and the, I had not raised it in those 15 years. And so all my other jobs in town, I was raising my prices. And so pretty soon it was getting to where those, that little community was like half of what I was charging in town. Right. And I just was like, you know, I, I forget who I was talking to about it. And, and they were just like, you do, you know, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot. You know, this is a, an anchor that you feel obligated to, to care for. So you either need to sell those jobs, you know, get someone else to take over that route who doesn't have your overhead mm -hmm. or you need to raise your prices, you know, and I couldn't see myself parting with these customers because they, they were, you know, they've known me since I was, you know, started out in my twenties and I wrote a letter and I just made it as clear and simple as possible, just saying, hey, you know, I really value you know, your, your longtime loyalty. Um, you know, I have not raised my prices since I, I took you on as customers. I'm looking at financially, and in many cases, I'm actually losing money when I factor in all of my expenses. So I need to raise you. I'm not going to raise you up to the total amount, but I'm going to raise you to where you're more in the ballpark of what I need to make, you know? And mm -hmm. I said, you know, I understand some of you because you're on, on a budget, you know, this may not be doable and I really hate to lose you as customers, but I, I you know, I just, I really tried to help them know I was taking them into consideration and I, I lost maybe four customers. I mean, out of right. you know, 500 customers, I mean, also, and some, a lot of them called me and said, Gabe, I'm surprised, you know, I've been waiting for this to happen. I, every time you come, I think you're going to raise my price and you don't, you know, so I'm so glad you're finally doing that because I, I know that you, you know, you've always give us best, good prices and we're, we're happy to pay, you know, and so now I just automatically, it's just a 5%, you know, five to 10% raise every, every year. And it's now the customer and that doesn't phase them because they know that's what they expect it, you know, and that's, well, and that's part I, of that communication that's important. Yeah. And that, that's one thing I think about now when I bid is, am I going to be happy with this bid two years from today? Mm -hmm. Because if this bid, and the other thing I think about is word of mouth, 
because if, if I bid cheap for this house, what's the word of mouth going to look like? They're going to tell five friends, oh yeah, Chris will, will come out here and set up his ladder and you know, do all of this for 150 bucks. Yes, exactly. Do you I, really I, want that? Do you want the word of mouth where, or, or do you want the word of mouth <laughs> where Chris does quality work and exactly. he, he may not be the cheapest, but man, he's really good. Yeah. And so I think about that. I, I ask myself, am I happy with this price two years from today? Yeah. Where I don't have to raise them all the time. And the other thing too is in my background of selling insurance, you know, car insurance goes up every six sure. months. Mm -hmm. So constantly dealing with why did my price go up? Like for me, that's just normal. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. it just goes up every six months. Yeah. You know, yep. like that's totally normal. Yep. Um, but I, I do think a lot of the customers that stuck with me, they have a lot of, like you said, respect for, you know, getting in line with the market and Mm -hmm. Even if you're a little bit higher than the rest of the people, they like you, they trust That's you, you're and, doing quality work. And that goes back to um, a book that Kevin Hargis always talks about, which is um, customer satisfaction is worthless. Customer loyalty, loyalty is priceless, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and so I, in that, in that area in particular, um, I have people who wouldn't, they wouldn't, they tell me all the time, I would never use another company. As long as you're in business, we're going to use you. And it's because of that, that, that relationship that we've developed, you know, and, and they've come to appreciate that there's certain standards. And even if I'm not there personally, my techs are going to come and they're going to live up to the same standards, you know, and, and uh, so it's just, it's, it's important that we do our part to, to live up to that bargain, you know, right. And, and right. Now, now you've been a, uh, 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 you know, you're a single operator, you have, you're, you're always in control of that. So it's a little bit easier for you. Yeah. I mean, workers a lot of times. And so it, it really depends on my training and my, you know, emphasizing to them, look, these are customers and, and it's not more, it's more than just your hourly wage. This is a relationship that they have with our company and you're representing our company in the right. spot. But, but yeah, that, that loyalty, you know, that's, that's what you want because just what you said about the whole, Hey, Gabe's done this for, <laughs> I, I had, you know, when I wrote that letter, boy, the next year I, cause you know, what we were doing now is as I had always had a separate price range for that, for that community, because mm -hmm. I, I thought, well, they're comparing with others. And I, I was, and so as I started doing the new job, the new bids, I was pricing them to the way I am in town. And right. then of course they're getting sticker shock because, oh, but I know you're, you're only, you're cleaning that house for this amount. And, you know, we have the same amount of windows or the same, you know, model, you know, house model. And I had to say, well, look, they're, they're grandfathered into a certain price, but just so you know, I am raising them. <laughs> they are going up. They're not yeah. making that anymore. And, or I'm not, I'm not charging them that anymore. And uh, it took about two years of that. And now nobody bats an eye. Now everyone understands and, and it's kind of cycled through the whole grapevine, you know, that community. Well, yeah, and that, that, that's a good point. It's, it's so important to be consistent, you know, across the board. Because if when you raise your price, just do it for everybody across yeah, sure. the board. And then it's not a big thing. And, and kind of like you did the proactive communication, don't just wait for them to call you. If you wait for them to call and say, hey, Chris, can you book me? Um, 
okay, well, it's going to be 30% more. Oh, well, why is it 30% more? See, now you're entering this whole conversation mm-hmm. when you could have proactively emailed them or text them or called them, you know, months ago. So that's why I thought the turn of the new year is just a perfect time. Like, hey, through 2021, this is the new price. Yeah. I didn't even remind people of what their old price was. I just said, this is the price from 2021 moving forward. You know, if you'd like to be on the books, I'd love to have you stay with me. And I got so many positive responses. Nice. And so many neighbors and, you know, you just pick up business. Like even, even this week, I have a house I did for 175 the first time I ever cleaned it but tomorrow it's going to be 325 Mm -hmm. so that 175 special exact same you know 19 window house is now 325 and she loves me you know she's probably going to be a great customer a long time she's Mm -hmm. even given me a couple of her neighbors so don't don't be afraid if you're listening or watching don't be afraid to just raise your price and you could do it overnight. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Mm-hmm. Just be proactive, communicate with people. I think customer service has fallen by the wayside. If you just communicate, that's the big thing. Well, that, and that's it. You, you have to make sure they understand that there's a reason for it, right? Because if they if you just show up one day and say, okay, well, now I'm charging you this, then it just... Right feel like, oh, you're just trying to milk more money out of me because you have that power because, you know, I like you and I want to hire you and they may pay at that time. But, you know, as soon as you leave, what the first thing you're doing is starting to look, well, what other window cleaners are there? But if they understand there's a logic to it, that you're in a position that, hey, I really like you as a customer and I really want to keep cleaning for you. However, I can't continue. It doesn't make business sense for me to continue at this rate. So if you're willing to do this, um, I'm willing to continue coming to clean for you, you know, so it, you're including them in kind of the deal, you know, you're not saying, this is my price, this is what you have to pay. Right. And, you know, look, th- this is my situation. Can you help me out here? Can you help me to meet my obligations as a business owner? And then right. I would love to continue to meet your, you know, your request to help you keep your windows looking nice. You know, now it's a partnership as opposed to you're, you're the boss and you're telling them and demanding, you know, what they pay, and, which, well, you know, you can have, you can give off that impression if you're not careful. Yeah. And, and there's really a, you know, when it comes to business, you can't just make up whatever price you want and expect them to pay. I mean, it has to be within the market to mm-hmm. a reason because Correct. You could come in 10, 20% above your market. Yeah. But if you're coming in 50, 70% above everybody else in your market, eventually that's going to be red flags. People are going to catch on. But I think there's nothing wrong with being the 10, 20% higher person if you Mm -hmm. could back it up with your work, your customer service. And, um, but, I think the mistake of new people like myself is you you're underbidding. So you're you're bidding 175 when it should have been 300 the whole time. Yeah. Yep. And come to find out all your competitions at 250 to 350 and the you're down here you're down yeah. here at 175 
all because you're new and you're desperate. Yeah, the competition like, that's why? not doing as good a job as you <laughs> is charging that <laughs> yeah. much. Yeah, and really it's frustrating for the customer when, you know, down the road when you have to raise it yeah. so much, but then it's frustrating for your competition because now you're that cheapo guy who's undercutting exactly. the market. Exactly. And even though you're doing it as a side hustle, you don't need to be the cheapo guy because like I said before, your most valuable assets, your time. Yeah. Well, not only your time, but also your your skill and your customer service. That has value. And I think yeah. we we shortchange ourselves because it just may be our personality. You know, we just may have a very friendly personality. We get along with our customers. We care about our customers. So we're going to take the extra steps to not damage their property or make sure we, we you know it's detailed just right. But that's value, right? And, and we forget people are willing to pay for that because they may have had experiences with poor value, poor, poor quality or, or poor customer service. And if they know they have that, they'll be willing to pay for it because that's, that's an asset, you know, that's a, right. that's a, a, something of substance that they will pay extra for. So we don't want to shortchange ourselves if we have those qualities, let's, let's charge for it. And, and then we're going to get the people who appreciate it, right? Well, and one thing I started doing too, is I started quoting three different options. Mm -hmm. You know, I started quoting outside only, inside out, and then detailed. And really the, the point of that is so if they want to be a little bit cheaper, mm -hmm. they can. Mm -hmm. And if they want to pay for the detailed cleaning, they could do that. Mm -hmm. um, and really, you'd be surprised. I've had over 70% of my people pick the most detailed option, mm -hmm. you know, the most expensive. And it's kind of surprised myself. It's like, hey, these people are wanting to pay. Yeah. You know, they're wanting that they want the tracks clean. They want the screens. Give me the most detailed option. I don't mind paying the extra. Yeah. And I don't want to get in a price conversation. If someone says, well, company B is cheaper. I just talk about quality. I don't even jump into price. I just say, well, I don't know what company B does, but what I do is I'll clean the track, the screen, the seal, you know, the glass, all of this is already included. Oh, I didn't realize you did all of that. Okay. You know, so I think it's better just don't even jump into price matching, just jump into well, here's what I bring. Here's the yes. value. Yes. And then just let them decide, you know. Yeah. What I'll, I'll, the phrase I'll use a lot with them is, yeah, I know, you know, I think, I think there are probably some companies you could get that for, but it just, it just doesn't make financial sense for me, you know, so mm -hmm. because we offer this and this and this and this. And so this is our price, you know, we've really done a lot of work to figure out what our price range is and this is it. So, you know, I understand, you know, there's a lot of good cleaners in, in town. And if you feel you need to, to, you know, budget is a priority to you. I totally get that because budget is a priority to me in a lot of other areas in my life. But for my business, for a business, as a business owner, this is what, this is what our charge is. This is what our price is. You know, I don't really do a lot of wheeling and dealing. Um, and I think it, it's, it's hard to separate <laughs> business and emotion because yeah. You know, Chris, the business owner, I just want to set a price, take it or leave it. This isn't a yard sale. But Chris, the person, you know, emotionally, I think, oh, well, I don't want to lose that person. Or I, I hope Miss Jones doesn't dislike me, you know. So I think it's hard to separate 
your business mindset from your personal feelings. But if you could put your feelings to the side, realize this is my number because this, I need to hit my overhead, make Mm -hmm. X amount of profit, you know, then you could start averaging 60 to 80 an hour instead of averaging 20 to 40 an hour and wondering, you know, where's all my money going? (laughs) Um, You know what though, Chris, I I don't even think you need to separate them as much as let one inform the other, you know, so you've got your business sense, which should dictate the price that should always dictate what you're charging. But then you can use that, that the friend, Chris, to, Mm -hmm. to soften the blow of the conversation to them, you know, right now you've got them working together, but you're making sure the ones that, you know, the the one side that that is, is important (laughs) sticks to that, to that price. (laughs) But then the side that's customer service oriented is the one that is talking and conversing, you know, because yeah. that way you've got a nice balance and that, in, that in, in increases the odds that the customer is going to accept the, the price that they otherwise might, might've turned down. Yeah. 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 And really, you know, I, I've gotten rid of most of my storefronts too. And now I'm about 90, 95% homes um, just cause that's the most profitable. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, and I, I kind of learned that lesson last year because I was going to clean 80 bucks of storefronts and saying no to a $400 house. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I well, know. wait, wait a minute. Why am I going to make 80 bucks and turning down a $400 house? Yep. So I think you kind of learn that along the way is not only you, you need to set the bar high and, but I do think you as a business owner, you get insecure about an empty schedule. Yes. You get nervous, you get afraid. Oh, my schedule's only booked for one week. Mm -hmm. That makes me nervous. And that insecurity, it makes you want to become a people pleaser and start going with whatever price the customer wants instead Mm -hmm. of the price that you should be at. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Chris, we are out of time, man, but that has been a wonderful discussion. I really appreciate yeah. you taking the time and, and talking about that side hustle mentality and how it's worked for you. And, and also just the, the whole discussion on pricing was really good as well. So thanks so much for making time this morning. Yeah, not a problem. I'm going to leave with one quote. Okay, go ahead. Okay. <clears throat> you either sacrifice for what you want or what you want will become the sacrifice. Ah, look at that. Very insightful. All right. Well, thank you, Chris, again. And thank you, Flowmies, for listening. Hopefully you got a lot of good stuff that you can use for your own business. You guys have a great week and we will talk to you later. Flow on.